get into part two of our four-part series called It's Time. And um, this whole series is around, it's designed around this idea that, you know, if you'd have done it alone, you'd have done it by now. All right, how many of you have realized, man, I need to get doing something, but you just haven't taken that step to actually start? How many of you have been in that position in life before, right? So I've been there many times, and so we're going to talk through some principles and some things that we can do to make sure that we don't go another month without having put some things in place that we can start uh, implementing in our lives. How many of you are excited about that? I am for certain. So, um, but first, we need to do a little check up, a little check in about where we're at in our spiritual lives. So the principle is um, that regular checkups actually help you catch things before they become crises. Yes? How many of you have ever gone to the dentist? How many of you like going to the dentist? Okay, brother, you need to show, you need to tell me your secret. <laughs> well, I'm not afraid of going to the dentist because that's just wimpy to admit. But um, sometimes it's not the fear of the dentist, it's just the inconvenience of it, right, men? Yeah. Come on, yeah, we're not afraid of the dentist, but it is inconvenient to go, you know, because, you know, you got to go sit there in the waiting room, you know, and then you start listening to all those God awful sounds. And then by the time they call your name, you're like, I don't think I want to be here anymore. So, you know, I go to the dentist about every 15 years or so. And but the last time I went to the my wife says this is true. The last time I went to the dentist, I didn't even go to the dentist, but there I was, you know, uh, bringing all the kids through everything, and the dentist was like, Hey, what about you? I'm like, what about me? This ain't about me. <laughs> he was like, no, just sit down. We'll check you out real quick. We've got time. I was like, I don't know if i got time for this. <laughs> and he was like, hey, man, it's good that we caught you. You know what? Because you've gotten into some bad habits. I was like, no, I have not. I've been brushing every morning and every night. And I've been flossing and I've been rinsing. And I've been, I've been doing these things. And he says, yeah, but you've, um, you've, 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 you've gotten into the habit of crunching while you sleep. It's like, well, how do you know that? I don't even know that. It's just because your enamel is worn thin. I was like, dang. <laughs> I didn't even know there was something wrong. He says, so, so we got to do something, make a little intervention here so that you stop doing that because if you don't, then very soon we're going to have to start replacing some, some teeth with false teeth so that you can, don't, have any, don't have to have pain. I'm like, man, that's where that leads? He says, yes, that little bad habit can lead to a lot of pain that, it, that leads to a lot of money, right? So how many of you, are the, the cost of maintenance is always less than the cost of having to replace something or fix something, isn't it? Come on. <laughs> so sometimes people go like, man, you know, I need to spend like 500 bucks on, on this car that I need to fix. And instead of paying the 500 bucks, you go and take out a, a 500 per month loan <laughs> to buy a new car. But the problem is now you pay like 49 months of 500s instead of just one 500. <laughs> Sometimes our logic doesn't work well. But the bottom line is that if you maintain your vehicle, often you don't, have to you don't have to fix things on it. And the cost of fixing is normally more than just the catch-up of maintenance cost. Did you realize that? Have you ever seen that? It's like, if you would just, like, you know, little things on your house, if you would just change, do something small each month on your house to make sure that your house stays in good nick and, you know, it stays healthy and everything is up to, up to scratch, then you don't get to a place where you suddenly have to do, like, a complete remodel on an, in an area just to, you know, clean out the rot and, and, and replace and, and, and redesign things. And that is always more expensive because normally those jobs you can't do yourself. Normally, you can clean, you know, and you can replace maybe one board or so, um, and, you know, but if you have to get somebody to come do something, it's always going to be more expensive. And that's why sometimes it's just best to pay the maintenance cost, but it is so, <laughs> I can hear it getting quiet in here already. Everybody's like feeling the conviction. Oh, man, I haven't been maintaining things. I haven't been putting it in because it's not just about outside things. It's also about here, right? And there's, there's this... This nasty principle in life, it's called entropy, okay? So 
The clever people here know what that means, but I had to go study what it means. It's, uh, it means it's a gradual decline into disorder. A gradual decline into disorder. And it's like when you just leave something to itself, it don't just stay good. It actually declines. When you just leave your garden, I mean, you're not bothering it, right? You're not, you're not hacking you know, things out and, and, and burning the grass down or anything. You're just, you're just leaving it be. Why would it go into disorder? Well, it's because of this principle. Leaving your garden alone doesn't keep it nice. <laughs> Any men in here <laughs> who can agree with that? All of a sudden, there's weeds everywhere, and like, the grass grows where it's not supposed to grow. Like, like why do grass grow onto the, like, onto the path? It's, like, it's a clear indication where it shouldn't be growing. Why does it go there? But you have to take the weed eater, and you have to cut it to remind it every single week. You're not supposed to grow here. How many times do I have to tell you? You're not supposed to grow here. But that's just how it works. And it's the same with finer things. How many of you know marriages don't just stay healthy? You have to invest in them to keep them healthy. There's a maintenance cost, you know. It's maybe a bunch of flowers now and then. and Maybe a little gift here or maybe a little romantic get away there or a dinner there or a moment or just a, just a nice thought, you know, maybe offering to take the kids for a day and letting her spend time with the girlfriends. And those are all little investments that if you don't do it, you find yourself very soon in an argument that reveals a rot in your relationship that now has to have very, a lot of attention and sometimes a lot of money. Sometimes it involves counseling. Sometimes it involves you know, worse things than that, fending off lawyers, which you never want to get into. But that's the reality. These things don't just stay good because naturally they're good. They're good. They stay good because you invest in them. They stay good because you are intentionally working on them. And it's the same way with, 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 you, with your body. Um, you know, our bodies, <laughs> come on now, <laughs> our bodies don't just stay, but you know what, what I found when it comes to everything, and especially on our bodies, is it's like one week of unhealthy eating, you know, and you go, and then you go, huh, that didn't do me that bad, that wasn't that bad, and then you go another week, and you go, wow, I can do this. It doesn't seem to have all these adverse effects that everybody has been talking about, right? And so then you start doing that week in and week out. And before long, it's family picture time. Six months down the line, the results come back. You go, man, that camera added some. <laughs> it wasn't the camera. It was your six months of unhealthy eating, right? <laughs> but what, we don't realize it immediately. That's the thing, though. It's like it's gradual, that's the danger of this entropy thing. It's gradual. You know, you, 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 you think of, um, hey, let me buy my wife a bunch of flowers. And then you go, oh, man, I forgot about it. I drove past. Oh, let me just ditch the idea. And then you don't do it. And then she go home and, 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 you know, and then your wife is all, you know, happy and, you know, everything. And you're like, oh, that didn't turn out that bad. And so you stop doing other little investments as well. And six months down the line, you wonder why your wife wants to go for counseling. He doesn't see me even in the house. He doesn't think about me ever. He doesn't love me anymore. I love you. Oh, you sure have no way of showing that. This is a very important principle. That if you will be aware of it and you will not just let things be to their own devices and intentional, be intentional about making things happen in your life, you will find yourself so more consistently in a position of prosperity when it comes to everything in your life, right? Any agreements in the house today? Amen. Come on. I need help. It's the second service, and I've realized that the second service is always a little bit more quiet. I don't know if it's uh, because, you know, um, people are, you know, it's, because it's the late sleepers or, you know, the, the slow to wakers or whatever that is. <laughs> I'm just messing. But the bottom line is, speak back to me. Talk back to me. I, I like it when people interact with me. Uh, if you disagree, um, don't say that. We'll, we'll handle it in the, <laughs> in the lobby afterwards. 
Okay. Um, it's better to have a routine checkup. And it's amazing that every time, this time of year, we come to a place where we can just take a little count of what we have to move into the year with. What are the things that might have broken that we need to fix? What are the things that we haven't been investing with that we need to play catch up with? What are the things that are going well and that we need to keep doing? Um, there was this one guy who, who, who used to say that, well, let, me, let me quickly get that guy. I'm going to use that here. Stephen Covey. He's like a guru when it comes to coaching and executive business coaching and all that. And he says, if, if we keep doing what we're doing, we're going to keep getting what we're getting. So if you like what you're having, keep doing it. Because it's because of what you've been doing. It's not just for no reason that you're there. Um, and, uh, but often we find that there is a, a mix in our lives, right? There are certain things that we're like, man, this is good. I need to keep doing this. But then you realize, oh, my goodness, over here, hmm, I, might need to, I might need to invest in this. And we'll, we'll get to more of this as we go on. Right, so there's scripture verse in Revelation 2, verse 2 to 4 that says this. It says, I know all that you've done for me. You have worked hard and persevered. I know that you don't tolerate evil that you've tested those who claim to be apostles and proved that they are not, for they were imposters. And I also know that you, how bravely you have endured trials and persecutions because of my name, and yet have not become discouraged. This is God speaking by His Spirit to one of the churches back in the day. And can you see how many things God is affirming that they've done right? How He is acknowledging every bit of effort that they've put in to be, you know, in response to their relationship with Him. And He's acknowledging it, He's affirming it, and He's going, good job. I'm proud of you for doing this, right? Here's what I want to say about this particular verse. We serve a God, and we are in a relationship of such nature where you will hear far more Him saying, well done, well done, I'm glad you did this, than you hear Him say, this was wrong, don't do that anymore. It might not be reality in your life right now, but I want you to know that this is the kind of relationship that God wants to have with each and every one of you. God is not a God that just always focuses on everything we do wrong. That is a caricature of who God is. God is a good father that is full of compliments that is full of affirmation. He wants to tell you more what you're doing right than he wants to tell you what you're doing wrong. He wants to encourage you. He's the God of all encouragement. And so if you will listen to the true voice of the Holy Spirit, you will hear encouragement. When you did something right, you will feel, metaphorically, you will feel him say, well done, buddy. That was good. When that happens, don't brush it off. Say these words, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let Him affirm you. He wants to be affirming. He wants to be defining you according to what His desire for life is for you more than He wants to correct you when you're doing things wrong. That is the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of relationship He desires that each and every one of us will have with Him. If you understand the full, the full principle behind Romans 8 that says there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, you will begin to live this. Am I gone? You'll begin to be able to hear affirmation from God and not condemnation because condemnation does not come from Him. Hallelujah. And that is hallelujah. We do praise Him for that. But the bottom line is many of us do not have that experience in real life. And may we get to that point where we realize that our God is a positive God. He's a God that looks to catch us out doing things right, not catch us out doing things wrong the whole time. And if your experience has been of him who's constantly catching you out doing the things wrong, then I want you to realize that there is a massive part of this relationship with God, this journey with God that you have been unaware of up to this point and that you have not engaged with at this po up to this point. And the way to get to that is to actually, when you feel that you're doing something wrong, when you're about to do something, something right, sorry, when you're about to do, just be aware of his presence. Listen to what he's saying to you in your heart because he's going to be right there, you know, encouraging you, egging you on. Come on, do this. This is going to be awesome. She's going to love it. Turn around. Go get those flowers, man. She's going to love it, right? 
All the men said amen, not just one. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, but then he says in verse 4, he says this, But this one thing I have against you. You've abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. And so maybe you've come around the track a couple of times in your walk with God. You know, the first year it was all exciting and Maybe you stepped into a new, um, you know, style of worship by, by coming to our saviors and learned how to more freely express yourself and actually tell God things that you love about Him that you didn't necessarily always do. Um, and maybe you learned, you know, different lifestyle of Christianity, connecting with other men and women of God in life groups and, you know, going on missions or doing outreaches, serving the community. And you've kind of discovered a whole new part of Christianity that you might not have learned and known before. And, and the first year, it was like, everything's new, man. It's amazing. Like, you know, our church is just so fantastical. And, and you wanted everybody to experience this. And then the second year, you, you, you took the courage and you got some people to come and experience all this as well. And, you know, it was fun and new for you because it was fun and new for them. And then by year three, you know, the guy up here goes, hey, guess what we're going to do this year? You know, and then like, everybody goes, what? He goes, same thing we did last year. And everybody around you goes, Yay! And you go, eh. Wait, this is what we do? This is what we do? And you go, man, I wonder, if the, what's new? <clears throat> and then <laughs> somewhere between this journey of us getting used to how things go, sometimes the passion starts waning. And our excitement about coming starts you know, depleting, and, and we really wonder, but, you know, why was it so awesome? Well, number one, it was awesome because it was new, but number two was it was awesome, not because it was new, but because you were interacting with a new person. You were actually interacting with Jesus in a way that you've never interacted with Him before. And it never really was about all the new things that you've been doing, but it was actually that you've been encountering a person afresh in a new way. And your passion to engage this person has made you feel all refreshed and all new and all excited. And at some point, it starts becoming about what we do and about who we do it for. And then it becomes stale. And then we look for new things to do instead of refreshing our relationship with the one we're doing it for. And what I want to tell you today is that it is not about what we do. It's about who we get to do it with that makes it fresh, that makes it exciting, that makes me want to respond with all my passion and all my dedication. Every year, it doesn't matter if we do the same things because I know it honors Him. And that's what my life needs to be about. It needs to be about the honor and the glory of God, not about personal satisfaction and enjoyment. And if I do honor God, He does bring all that into my life. But it needs to be first and foremost about Him, right? Yes. Come on. And so He's asking, hey, engage me again with the same passion and the same fervor and the same priority as you used to, and things will flip around for you Feeling-wise, you will be passionate. You will feel like, you'll be feeling the. You'll feel refreshed and empowered again as you used to, because you're spending your time and your priority on me and on the things that are important to me. And so we want to walk through a couple of keys this year as we step into this new year and prepare. And we're we're very much in this first month in prep mode for the rest of the year. Um, <clears throat> to make sure that we do set the right priorities in place. Okay, so a couple of keys that will help us to actually put some actions to these thoughts. Are you ready for it? Let's go. Nobody's ready for it. Are you ready for it? Yes. Number one, you have to take control of your schedule. You have to take control of your schedule. Life will happen to you. It's just how it is. You know, they say death and taxes are inevitable. You know what's also inevitable? Dishes and laundry. And, you know, it'll interrupt you when you're having the nicest of time. When you walk into your car, you're like, oh, my goodness, I have to go do laundry. Before I can do anything else, I have to do laundry, right? You have to take control of your schedule. If you plan when you do things and what you are in control of when you're able to do other things. 
And so the, the way to do this is to, is to go and sit with your Bible and your diary. You know, not the moleskin with no dates in it. The one with the actual dates in it, right? The diary and your Bible, you read your word, you spend time with God, and then you ask God, all right, Lord, I'm going to open this other book now. And now it's time for you to help me to intentionally plan out this year. Help me to see what this year needs to look like, what this month needs to look like, what my weeks need to look like, and what my days need to look like. If you will make a simple, written down, plan like that, it will align you with your goal. I cannot imagine that any one of us has a goal to have a broken marriage, have bad relationship with our kids, have a horrible time at our workplace, and, you know, not having a good relationship with the Lord by the end of 2020. If you have that as a goal, urgently come speak to me. You don't need a checkup. You need emergency surgery. All right? All of us have at least some intention to have a great marriage by the end of this year, to have great relationship with our kids, to have a great relationship with the Lord by the end of this year, and to thrive in our workplaces. Can I, can I get some consensus about that? Nobody wants less than that for our lives. Well, guess what? If you take control of your schedule, you can actually make sure that that becomes a reality. You can make sure that becomes a reality. Because here's what it's going to do. It's going to help you to prioritize when you do what and when you let go of certain other things. Because if you do not do it, what happens is you spend most of your time on what's urgent and you forget to spend time on what's important. Urgent always screams louder than importance. And so when your job calls you, you know, and it's so urgent that you need to go that you cannot say no because you haven't planned, then you're going to have very little time with your kids this year and with your wife this year. And you might get to a place where you're, man, you made a lot of money by the end of this year, but you have to spend all that on counseling to get your wife to stay. No point in that. Or you have to spend it on rehabs because your kids didn't see you ever. They never got to talk with you. They never got to get your help on matters. They never had your emotional presence to help them navigate through issues that they were facing at school. And by the way, don't think because they're kids that their emotional issues are kids' stuff. It's not. Just because they're kids, they don't get a kid devil. They fight the same devil you and I fight. And therefore, they need the same kind of support that you and I need to overcome their challenges, that you need to overcome yours. And guess what? God placed them in your family, and you need to be there for them. You need to help them make sense of their reality. You need to help them interpret their emotional circumstances. You need to help them to understand how to respond to friends when they're mocking them, when they're bullying them. You need to teach them words that they can use to fend off people when they're attacking them. They look to you as parents for that. You're never going to be able to do that if you don't take time and ask them, hey, what's happening at school? Guess what? If you go do it today, the problem, the answer is probably going to be nothing. Because they've learned to manage without you. And they need, to need, they need to see some commitment this year. That you're willing to sit still until, until they open up. Until they make themselves vulnerable. They need to see some consistency if they're going to trust you enough to tell you what's really going on on the inside of their hearts. Because you know what? What you've been communicating is that that's not important. I don't have time for that. So there's zero trust. You don't just open up your heart to just anybody, do you? Just because you're their parent doesn't mean that they have to do it for you. Because you're a loving parent, 
that have made yourself available to listen to them and to help them interpret and process and respond. That's why they're going to trust you with it. How many of you parents would like that kind of a relationship with your child? Well, you need a plan for that, man. You need to plan your schedule. That's one of the biggest things I'm going to do right this year. I've been trying to get to it. I'm going to get some help this year. I'm going to make that happen. Because that is one of the most precious and important roles that each and every one of us has to play. Here's what Ecclesiastes 4 says. It says it's better to have one handful with tranquility than two hands full with toil and chasing after the wind. And that's the principle. Well, I could have made so much more money. Okay. And then have to fight off everything else that comes along with you not spending time at home. There are more important things than making money. I'm not against people making money. Not at all. Money funds the kingdom of God. At least to a degree. It does. You can do amazing things with money. But you, you're, like in, you're, 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 you're picking a, a rod for your own hind. I'm trying to translate that from my own language. We had this, we had this custom in our culture when we were young that your dad would tell you, go pick yourself a rod. A what? A what? A switch? So say the expression in, in, in American. Huh? You go pick a switch for your own hind? A branch. <laughs> it's a branch, you'd like to know. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, okay? <laughs> um yeah, it reminds me of that, that, that movie where the guy goes, your, your stick, and he says, it's called a lance. Um, and and, and you'd, you'd, you'd have to go to it, you know, was we, had these, we had these trees, that it was a kind of fruit tree um, that it had the nicest, you know, straight, like, you know, branches, switches. And you'd have to go pick one. And the problem is if you pick too weak a one, you know, he go pick one. Now you're in bigger trouble than you were. If you pick too thick a one, you get killed. So <laughs> you kind of have to play your odds there. You know, you, you get like, you know, how mad was he? <laughs> and depending on how mad he was, you vary the, you know, the thickness of the, of the thing you pick. But it's essentially like that. Sometimes we just go and pick a switch for ourselves by making a priority of stuff that are more urgent than the important things in life. And we don't want to be doing that this year, right? We need to be taking control of the important things that we need to get into our lifestyles. And to do that, you need to schedule it. If it's not on paper, it doesn't exist. It's true. You forget about it the very next day if it wasn't on paper. Paper never forgets. That's, by the way, why we have these little nice note cards for y'all and those little fine binders that you can get for free at the guest services table and you can gather all, collect all these amazing wisdom words that we spend hours to prepare. Uh, I'm just being cynical, okay? It's part of trying to get y'all to um, accept the truths that I'm <laughs> trying to convey here with a little bit of sugar, right? There you go, Mary Poppins. Um, God wants us to thrive. Did you know God wants you to thrive? He wants you to win. He wants you to be prosperous in every aspect of your life. But if you do not invest, if you do not sow into your life, you're not going to reap anything. And your current season of non-reaping is because of a prior season of non-sowing. And again, we're not talking about money. We're talking about health, good choices, healthy food, exercise, scheduling, prioritizing, spending time with the right people. Saying no to things and saying yes to, to the right things. So we're starting tomorrow a time of prayer and fasting. That we're going we're gonna to take three weeks 
and we're going to do these things we're talking about now. We're going to take control of our schedules. We're going to start planning. We're going to start looking. What are the things that I definitely need to start doing this year? What are the steps I need to put in place so that I will intentionally move my life towards the things that I desire to have, right? And we want to ask you to join us in this. It's going to be a time of fasting and praying, okay? So fasting is not about just not eating. That's called hunger striking, all right? We don't need to bend God's arm to do anything. Um, he, he doesn't need us to prove to Him how committed we are and how willing we are to suffer for Him before He blesses us. His blessing is on us. It's the presence of God in our lives and all the words of wisdom that He gives us to live by. That's His blessing. And if we will live according to that, it results in prosperity. It does. He's already blessed you. You don't have to ask Him to bless you. Just do what He said and it'll result in you thriving. All right? So fasting is not about actually um, suffering. It's not about punishing ourselves. No, it's actually more about connecting with God and disconnecting from the world. You see, in everything that you're disconnecting from, you're letting go of, you have open hands to receive from God with. Everything you're putting off allows you to take a hold of something that God wants you to take a hold of. And so that's why it's a prayer and fasting. It doesn't benefit you that much if you don't go and have lunch, but then also don't go and pray. <laughs> you don't eat, but then you work through your whole lunch hour. Wow, I got so much done today. <laughs> well, I'm sorry you had to do that while being hungry. Because if you didn't actually put Jesus in that void, you didn't really do what He desires you to do. See, it's not about you just giving up stuff. It's actually you connecting with Him, letting go of things so that you can take a hold of and grab a hold of Him and what He wants for you. So there's going to be like um, early morning devotions on our Facebook pages. And for those of you who are going to be fasting social media, we're even putting it on our website so you can stay away from that and not be tempted. How great are we, aren't we? Yeah. Um, uh, you're welcome for all those who are saying thank you, because I'm definitely going to be fasting some social media, apart from the things that I need to do for work. But definitely want to spend, put Jesus into those voids doing the fasting time. So you might, you might choose to fast different things. We'll get into that first in a second. But there's also going to be a reading program. Together, we're going to read through the book of John. John has 21 chapters, and we're going to do 21 days of prayer and fasting. So we invite you every day, Take a chapter of John, read it, and meditate on it. Ask God, what do you see the scripture there says? How does that apply to my life? And then pray and make some plans to apply that, to actually start living that out. Amen. We don't want to be just hearers of the word. Because if we're not doers of the word, we actually deceive ourselves. I don't like being taken for the fool, much less if I do it with myself. And so neither do you. You want to actually listen to what the words are saying and apply it into your life to have an effect. And then also we're going to have corporate nights of prayer. We're going to have six, two each week, and it's going to be on Tuesdays and be on Thursdays. Please come and join us. It's going to be at our offices in Mill Street, down um, south by the track, and it's going to be a great time of us connecting with one another, praying for one another, praying into our church family, praying into this region, and praying just in general um, for God to come and help us and walk with us and connect with Him. So it's happened 6.30 at night um, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So it's going to be great. This is going to be great three weeks of us preparing ourselves for this year. Second, it's time for us to regulate what we allow to enter our minds and our bodies. Okay? Now the Bible does say what enters your body, it's not what enters your body, what defiles you, but what comes from your mouth. Okay? I understand that and I agree with that. But what enters your body does affect you does not necessarily defile you, but it does affect you. And so here's the basic principle. If you do not have control to stop, do not start. Isn't that amazing? If you cannot have one drink and put it aside, then don't start. And if you know something is, has the power to force you to not be able to stop, don't start. You have to take control of what you allow to go into your body. And sometimes we become so emotionally attached to things that we allow to go into our body that we can't do anything else before we have got that thing to enter our body. 
Sometimes we need things to survive emotionally. Sometimes we need and we depend on certain things in order to get through a day. Well, God would much rather have you depend on Him. And let's put aside all medical situations right now for, 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 the, for the sake of this um, uh, argument. Um, so the question is, what are you allowing to enter your body? And how is it affecting you? How is it being a priority to you aside from you connecting with Jesus? And can you take time this fasting period to put aside some of those things, to really put your focus on God and put your dependence back on God? But the second thing is, this, is as important. Is be careful what you allow to go into your mind. You know, we, we have this thing that says sticks and stones can break my bones, but words that don't harm me. And then, you know, we sing that and we believe the big, biggest lie because it's actually the words that affect us. It's what people tell you, what people say of you, what you hear and keep repeating about you, how you keep talking about yourself that keeps you in the position that you're in, that, allows, that, that um, this allows you to grow. Because if you cannot change how you speak about yourself, you haven't changed what you think about yourself. Nothing comes from nothing. If you do not change something, it's going to be the same. And so it's important that we be careful what we listen to. I mean, I've, I, and, and I'm not legalistic. I'm not, I listen to songs that aren't Christian songs, right? But I'm very careful. When I listen to those songs and I start singing those songs, I realize, oh, wait, I need, I need to be careful now. Because me singing these songs can start influencing the way I think about life. And do not make the mistake of thinking that it's just a song, that it's just neutral. The most powerful thing in the universe is an idea. Is an idea. And if an idea grabs a hold of your heart, it'll change your whole life around it. It will. So be careful what you allow to go into your ears. I want to make sure that the refrains that are ringing in my brain are things that call out godliness and power out of me, calls me up to be a son of God and live a lifestyle that is reflecting of who Jesus is and not a lifestyle and calls me into a lifestyle that is the exact opposite of who Jesus is. And I don't do that because, hey man, um, you know, uh, you have to do it because you're a Christian or a pastor. No, I do that because I love doing it. I love living according to God's pattern. And I love living in His power. And I love living in His freedom. I do it because I want to do it. Not because I have to do it. I love doing it that way. It creates in me a kind of person that I can be proud of. That I don't have to, that, that I know God affirms. And so be careful. Regulate what goes into your mind and your body this, this time. And, and sometimes you have, to, you have to kind of, you know, you have to plan for that. You have to plan. Because if you're constantly going to be eating junk food the whole, we, the whole year, you know, it's going to show by June. Right? It is. And I mean, I, I, the, 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 the showing isn't necessarily the... the what is showing isn't necessarily the issue. It's actually what it's doing to you internally. The unhealth it's bringing to you. You know God has a plan for you in this earth? You know He wants you to be here long term? He wants you to live out His purpose in your life for a good, long, full life. And so He needs you to take care of yourself. He needs you to be here, to be healthy, to be strong so that you can live out your purpose. The saddest thing is when somebody's got such, so much to give, but they're unable to because of health, right? God wants us to be healthy, and it's our responsibility to manage ourselves and, uh, and to steward what He has given us to work with this, uh, this, this part of our lives well. Amen? Come on now. All right. There are a couple of different things we can fast. The first is to have a complete fast where you drink water and that's the only thing you consume, substance you consume for the next 21 days. 
If you've never fasted, don't pick this one. Okay? This is kind of a next level fast. Like, I don't do this fast, just so you all know. Okay? Pick one that you know if you do it, you'll still be able to breathe and live and connect with Jesus. Because that's kind of the purpose of the whole thing. All right? No point in fasting and then going to heaven. Um, But seriously, be wise about how you fast. But also, don't pick something that, you know, you can just, it doesn't really take time away from God and you connecting with God. Like, there's no point in, you know, fasting conversation with your wife. Don't get clever on me. That's what I'm saying. Okay? (laughs) There are certain foods that you could fast. For instance, sugar or things that make you dependent caffeine. There are certain things that you can fast that you can replace Jesus with. Fast, choose to make some of those things, um, some of the things that you fast in. And then there are also um, certain times that you can fast. For instance, fast lunch times. Eat all the other times. But then when you do fast that lunch, don't work straight through it. Retreat. Go spend time with Jesus. And then there are things like, you know, soul, soul things that we can fast, like fasting social media or fasting, um, you know, browsing magazines or, or reading the paper. Uh, sometimes it's just a good thing to take a break from politics and to just hone in what is Jesus saying about America and not so much what is, you know, the Democrats or the Republicans saying about America. And, and listening prophetically what is on God's heart for this nation and praying into that and aligning yourself with what He is saying rather than first just aligning yourself with whatever side of, of an aisle. And that's very important. Um, and, 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 and TV or music and, and dare I say, dare I say, hunting or fishing or, <laughs> or football. <laughs> Don't throw me. <laughs> no, seriously. Sometimes these things take such an important place in our lives that they become priority over even us connecting to God. And sometimes it's time that you just tell that thing who's boss. All right? So that when the great God of hunting gives you an opportunity to hunt, you don't immediately bow and say, yes, Lord, I will go. You actually choose when you go and when you don't go. And sometimes... It's not the provision of the Lord. Sometimes it's the devil that tries to take you away from your family. Can I say that again? I'm going to anyways. (laughs) Might as well say yes, Pastor. (laughs) Come on, people. Think. (laughs) It's true, right? Have discernment. Realize what is important. You see... When the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, it means that there is an actual way that the kingdom operates. In the king's domain, things work the way the king wants it to work. His decrees and principles get obeyed. And so when he says, hey, it's time for you to serve your family back home and not go hunting, well, what are you going to do? Seek first the kingdom of God and His way of doing life. Are we first Christian or are we first Cajun? Come on now. We're first Christian. And whatever part of Cajun-ness does not fit into Christianity, I hope you gladly, with joy, reject it. I'm doing the very same for my culture. And there's no difference between any person. No culture is holy. All culture needs to reject some of it in order to align it with God. So God is calling us, be holy, He says, for I am holy. Third thing, it's time to organize my finances around three things and in this order. Giving, saving, and living. It's time for us to organize our finances around God's purposes and God's principles. Look at me. Look at me closely, everybody. God doesn't need anything from you. He doesn't. 
when he tells you to do something, it's for your benefit. It's because he knows it's going to be life unto you. And so it's time to get Jesus involved in your finances. You know how many time, you know how many of the prayer requests we get from our church, from our congregation? 50% of it is always about finances. Needing finances, being in a financial crisis, needing financial assistance. You know what that tells me? It tells me that people say yes to, yeah, I need to get God involved in my finances, but they don't actually do it. It's time to include Jesus. Ask Him, Lord, how would you want me to steward what you've given me, my resources? And listen to what Proverbs 3, 9 says. It says, honor God with everything you own. Give Him the first and the best. So let me show you how I honor my wife. Every time I get an opportunity to do something, right, for instance, go hunting or fishing or whatever, the first thing I do before I say yes to anybody is I go, hey, babe, did you plan anything for this time? Is it okay if I go hunting? I would really like to go, but I want to acknowledge the fact that you might have had plans or you might have had a desire that you've not communicated to me yet about that time. You might have wanted me to spend time with the kids, take the kids out so that you could have a quiet time at home. You might have needed me to do something at the house that was urgent. And me acknowledging that you're existing and that she has things going on that gets impacted by what decisions I make is me honoring her. All right, now the real test. Do I do this? <laughs> you don't have to say yes. You can say sometimes, maybe all of the time. Say all of the time, please. I'm just rest. No, this is what I do. And it's not. And, and listen, this is how you might interpret it. Oh, so then she really wears the pants in the house. I'm sorry, you're wrong. I'm the man of the house. But just because I'm the man of the house doesn't make me the dictator. That means I get to have everything I want. Because I want it when I want it. No, that's not being manhood. That's being a brute. A true man honors his bride. A true man acknowledges her need and serves her the way Jesus serves his church. And so it's important for us to, again, what is cultural, what is Christian? Let's be good Christians before we're good whatever else. And I'm not saying by that, Cajun men, men are just not Christian. They don't have Christian standards. So what is your year going to look like? How can you honor God? Think about your time. Think about your calendar. Think about the 12 months of 2020. How can you honor God with the 12 months of 2020? Then think about how can, what, is my, what does my year need to look like? What, what, what would a month look like? me if I honor God with a month, right? Maybe the first of a month I go and say, Lord, where do you need me to be involved in your work this month? How can I invest in other people this month? Bring the first of my resources to your house. Hey, you blessed me with something. Maybe I got a bonus, or maybe I got into a good business deal, or, or maybe, maybe I got a blessing. Do we just go, oh, wow, I'm going to use this to buy me that next whatever. Or I'm going to do this to go to that. Do we ever ask, Lord, why did I receive this? Did you have a purpose for this? Was there a plan that you needed me to be involved in? And therefore you're bringing this to me? Maybe not to have all for me, but some of it through me? That's how we honor God with our resources. We don't just assume that everything is for me. We assume that God blesses me to be a blessing to people around me because that is the nature of the covenant that we've been included in. He said to Abram, through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. If that was true for Abram, who is the father of our faith, that is true for every son of faith. Through you, God wants to be a blessing to people around you. And so you have to assume that God wants to do something through me, through what He is enabling me to contain. 
We have to assume that. And that's how we honor Him with our resources, our time, our treasures, and our talent. Like a couple of men yesterday who went out and blessed a family who had a roof blown off by the wind. They blessed God with their talent and their time. There was no money involved. But that family showed up at church this morning. Did you know that? How's that for evangelism? Just go fix the roof. And that's how it is. Does God give? Can I give like that? What, what could it be to honor God with my week? Well, this is most definitely honoring God with your week. Making sure that there's a day that I spend giving to God and learning from Him and investing in other people around me. And then the last one, how can I honor God with my day? Can we just spend like 15 minutes of a day with Jesus? That's not too much to ask. That's not even a tithe of my day. You know, two and a half hours prayer time would be technically a tithe. But what would it look like if you had 15 minutes with God every single day of this year? I can tell you, you would have spent your time and your treasures and your talents on some different things than you normally did. So let's take control and let's be sure that we honor God with the things that we are entrusted with. And then fourth, it's time to live my life intentionally. Nothing comes from nothing. Proverbs 20 that verse 4 says, Sluggards do not plow in season, and so at harvest time they look and find nothing. And that's the, that's the radical truth. After the flood, when God spoke to Noah, He said to him, This is going to be the agreement that I have with you. But here's what you need to know. Until the end of time, sea time and harvest time is going to be a reality that you have to deal with. And that's just the truth. Whatever you have missing in your life right now, whether it's love, attention, emotion, energy, finances, whatever it is, you can probably trace it back to a season of not investing in others. And sure, tragedy does strike, but let's be honest. We can't blame everything in our lives that are missing on tragedies. There is a way lot more personal responsibility to be taken. But here's how we do it. We take responsibility by putting that diary next to my, next to my Bible and going, Lord, how would you like me to spend this resource, my time? How do you want me to honor you in this? Intentionality is one of the first keys. And so here's... Here's how we will do this this year. If you will make a plan, like that's one of the last blanks you can fill in there. I must have a plan. If you don't have it written down, it's not going to happen. I can guarantee you that. I can guarantee you that. Now, somewhere in this week, I had a devotion where I did, and I mentioned actually this whole thing about planning. I asked the question, are you a planner or are you a winger? Right? So how many planners in the house? How many of you plan your days naturally? Right? Everybody, how many of you just fly by the seat of your pants? You just wing. Okay, and the rest of you are still to take off, I guess. Okay, <laughs> some people are planners, some people are wingers. I want to say to my fellow wingers, okay, because I'm a wingman myself. Um, plans don't confine you, they align you, they help you, they point you, they direct you, they make sure that you don't have like this little bit of this and a little bit of that and little. They make sure that you actually have one on top of the other on top of the other and you produce something through it. Get a plan. Plans have blessed me immensely in my life. I'm not a natural planner. But I also knew that if I want other people to be in on what I'm doing, I need a plan. If I need help from somebody, they need to know what's going on. That's a plan. Plans, plans, plans are awesome. They really do help. Proverbs 17 says it like this, an intelligent person aims at wise action, but fools starts off in many directions. An intelligent person aims at wise action. It takes just some time, some thinking, what am I going to put in place this year? How am I going to spend my weekends? How am I going to spend my Sundays? How am I going to spend my waking hours? How am I going to spend my sleep, my going to sleep hours? Just think through that. Make some plans. Write it down. Write it down. Put it in place, and you'll start seeing your life developing way quicker than you could have ever imagined it would. But then there's also a place where we need to be flexible. To my fellow planners, 
I'm now a, an adopted planner as well. To my fellow planners, I would say, be flexible, okay? Be flexible. Allow God to intervene. Allow God to change things up for you. Okay, Proverbs 16 says, we make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. If you've been doing life a certain way, and God comes and says, hey, this needs to stop, this needs to commence, allow Him to direct you. Allow Him to lead you. It's going to end up good for you if you do that, right? It's a, like a good alignment. Now, I, I go to the chiropractor every now and then. Okay, how many of you have gone to a chiro before? It's a frightening experience, okay? So, like, the first time I went, I would, I would lie on the bed, and, and he said, like, all right, buddy, just relax your head, just relax your head. Now, I'm like, man, I really have to focus to relax my head, because I know it's coming, right? You know what's coming? Yeah? So, I was lying on the bed, and it's like, my dad said, you need to go to a chiropractor, he needs to align you. I didn't know align meant scare the heck out of you, okay? <laughs> so, I'm like, you know, innocently, like, lying on that bed, and, you know, giving control of my head over to this guy who was you know, leaning over, and all of a sudden, he went, and my back went, and I went, ah! <laughs> I kid you not, I screamed like a girl, no offense to the girls, I screamed, I'm like, he's like, first time, right, <laughs> I'm like, is that apparent, <laughs> I screamed, man, I, was, I never knew my back could do that, but sometimes we just need to allow God to go, you know, and it feels like you're breaking. You're not. You're just aligning. He's just getting you ready to get going again. Allow God to change you up a little. Allow Him to align you. He's doing it for your benefit. Second thing is, I must have a plan. I must have a people. Don't do this alone. If you'd have done it alone, you'd have done it by now. If you would have done it alone, you'd have done it by now. Get some friends. That's why we call life groups. That's why we do things like that together. Let them help you put that plan in place. Sit together. Pray over it. Now, keep you accountable doing it. That's the only way that you actually get success is if you have somebody who asks you, hey, how's it going with that thing you committed to do? Um, Ecclesiastes 4 says, two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. All right, and the last one, I must have power. Must have power. Where do I get power? Come on, you get power from the Word of God. You get power from spending time in God's presence. You get power from allowing God to lead you, allowing Him to encourage you, allowing Him to show you how awesome you are through His Word, to empower you to become what He has called you to do. And if you would take a little step like that, man, that pleases God, because that says that you trust Him. All right, let's stand together. Let's pray over this. Can you all do me a big favor? I, just, I, want, I want us all to just go and stand with our arms open towards God like this. Just in a posture of openness, opening up our hearts to Him and saying, Lord, we're submitting our lives to You today and we're asking You, Father, please come and help us. Please come and change us, Lord. We pray, Father, that You will show us the little things that You want to adjust. Lord, we're here and we're saying, here we are. Change us. Grow us, Father. Use us, Lord. Align us with what you have for us, Father. We make ourselves open towards you, Lord. We allow you to speak into our hearts and calling us up to what you've called us up into. And maybe you're here today, kind of first, you've never really actually just opened up your life and, and, and acknowledged that you're a sinner that needs Jesus' salvation. Maybe you've tried to kind of prove yourself to God and you've not submitted to the fact that you cannot save yourself. But you would like to tell Jesus that you believe in Him, that you believe in what He did for you on the cross, and that that is enough for your salvation. If that's you, if you want to commit to putting your faith in what Jesus did alone for you on the cross to be saved, why don't you just put your hand up right now. We can pray together. Thank you. I see that hand. Any other hands? I see that hand. Thank you, sir. I see that hand. That's three. Anybody else? Just kind of lift your hand up higher because everybody's hands are kind of lifted up. All right, I see that hand. I, th I see you, my boy. Come on. Come on. You making this decision is you saying that you need God to save you. And you acknowledge that the way you get saved is by believing in Jesus Christ. 
Bible says, if you do that, you confess that with your mouth, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that he will make you into a child of God. He will recreate you. You will be born again as a child of God. So I want to invite you to pray this prayer out loud after me as your confession of faith. Let's, let's pray this, and we'll all pray this together. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it, and you paid the price on my behalf. You faced hell for me, so I would not have to. And you rose from the dead to overcome the grave and to give me a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. I receive you as my Savior and as my Lord, and I declare that God is now my Father. In Jesus' name, amen.